So Josh, how about them politics? <laughs> <laughs> so we've never, we've never, ne never talked about politics, but I'm just curious, before we get into the military stuff, oh what is your personal opinion on the state of affairs of how people are acting and... Really going there. I, I don't, I just want to be free. I just want to be me and do my shit. Yeah. I, I just want to live my life. I just want to be me and have people leave me the fuck alone. That's all I care about. And that's so, all really I want anybody to be able to do. So do you think so. that, uh, so what are your thoughts, what's your thoughts on this like, um, curfew, 10 to 5 curfews in cities? No. And no, it's fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. That that is when I, I like I feel that you put restrictions, you put things on people like that when you just don't have any faith or belief in the populace that they're capable of being good human beings. Otherwise, you wouldn't you wouldn't do so. I right. Mean, we did that countless times in countless countries. And it was to control and, the populace, and, and not just us. Like yeah. every military man, essentially, who's really ever been deployed in a combat yeah. zone has probably been a part of those same type of restrictions. And Except was, for we were the ones imposing them. Right, and it was <clears throat> it was 100% to control the populace. 100%. Yeah. So that way, you know, we imposed this stuff on them, and then we controlled them 100%, and then anybody who was not abiding by it, by default, was just deemed, you know, uh, a, a, a shitbag, like a nefarious well, person, a person who's out for ill-intended purposes, and then you just... In the early days, in the early days of Iraq, it was like if you're outside past curfew, yes, you're dead. Yes. Yeah. I really hope it doesn't get to that point here. I highly it's, doubt that it will. But I'm just like, those are the steps. It's crazy of, of, how, you, of how you can get there very, very easily. It's crazy to think that this is even happening in our country. I think it's preposterous. I think it's even more preposterous that. So many people are blind to the fact that this is happening, and they just or or the severity and they just of it. throw their hands up and be like, yeah. yeah, we're like, well, hey, it's not so bad, folks. Just you know, just listen to them and you know, just don't don't just do what they're telling you to do, and you know, don't don't go outdoors and don't you know lead a life. Now, I'm not saying that you know really anything good happens after midnight, anyways. Isn't that the right. old adage that you say? Right. Like nothing good happens after midnight. Right. But dude, there's plenty of times, man, where it's like you know. Like, at, at what point do, or do you get hemmed up by the local police because you're going to go buy diapers for your kid? Yeah. Or, you know, you got medicine in the middle of the night for a child. Anything. You're picking yeah. a family member up from the airport who flew in right. late. Or we're spending time together, which is illegal, I guess, anyways. But, I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're hanging out with each other. You know, we have dinner and, I don't know, we watch a movie or something. And then now I'm driving back to my house at right. midnight. You know, like, no, nothing wrong with what we're doing. But immediately, the problem with that is immediately you get roped into that pool of people that is, you know, conducting bad activities. And that kind of already is probably the, the you know, the, what police, how they operate anyways. You know? but, yeah. but even more so when you put these restrictions on there and you put, you know, things that people cannot do anymore. Then it categorizes. It amps, it amps up, in my mind, I'm not a police officer, but I would imagine that their level of you know, it kind of kind of escalates. Like their level of intensity may be on the people. Well, it's a psychology thing. I because think, they're they're putting people in categories. Yeah. Which is what you, it's 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 how you create a socialist country. Is essentially, is you divide people and you put them into different blocks and um, and then you put them against each other. 
But even a even a good cop that doesn't agree with what's going on, yes. psychologically, he's like, okay, well, he's already going to be on the he or she are already going to be on the on the, in the red if people are outside because they don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, without these without these you know timely curfews and things yeah. put in place. It's already, the night shift guys, I mean, they're already, you know, ramped up a little bit because that's just when crap happens. Yeah. The unfortunate things happen to people. I mean, you get DUIs, drunk driving, you get, you know, I don't know, like you know, fights and stuff like that, yeah. at home, fights in bars, or things usually happen, you know, worse things usually happen at night. Break-ins, burglaries, you know, murders, things like that. And then now you put these other things on people where they can't be out, and then they have to enforce that. It's one more thing they have to enforce on top of already... Being put in some pretty crappy situations. Not in my, not in my America. I'm trying to find out what that is. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad that it's it's come to that. It's come to this, and so fast within a year. I mean, just beginning of this year, we were everything was normal, and it's like people. It it amazes me that people just give up so much freedom, so fast for perceived safety or security. When you slowly take it away, or when you quickly take it away. Which was initially what had happened. Yeah. Right? Like they quickly took a lot of things away or put a lot of things in place, disallowing people to do certain things or activities, whether that be business, personal, whatever you want to consider it. All right. And then they slowly give it back a little bit to make, to kind of put people at ease. Like, oh, well, it's not so bad. You know, they're, they're letting us go to work again or they're letting us go shopping again. Well, that's, that's just crazy. Let us, letting us out a little bit. Letting yeah. us. So already you're in like, yeah. oh, this is now an allowance factor mm-hmm. that they're so nice that they're letting me do these things. And then they take it right back away again. You know, yeah, because so like, Oregon, Oregon gyms are shut back down. They're on lockdown again in Oregon. I think it's Oregon or, or California. I'm sure one somebody will fact check me on this, but um, strip clubs are open Amen. and legal. But churches are not allowed. There's plenty of soul seeking going on in strip clubs. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But you know, when it comes down to the Constitution, and you know, I'm not you know a super religious guy, but I'll be damn sure that I think that people have the freedom of religion and the freedom to go to church because that's part of what this country is founded on. Not just freedoms in yeah. general. Yeah. Right. Like. People abiding or living by, like, good human practices and good human principles. Like, back in the day when there was, you know, back in the day, like, a year ago. <laughs> Literally like, back in the day. Seriously. <laughs> and, like, you know, you had the flu, you called in sick to work, or you felt ill, like you called in sick to work. Yeah. Or you didn't maybe go out of the house as much. You took care of yourself. You took care of the ones around you. I mean, like, that's, that's did my you see, I just don't did like. Did you see that video I share on Instagram about the, the doctor that... Um, actually is in the COVID testing business. No. And he basically, they're trying to change the amendments right now. Someone is trying to change the amendments to where they make mask a mandatory legal bounding thing so that you can be charged if not wearing a mask. I bet you it's quickly coming. And he basically, like for five minutes rip them apart about how it's just a complete like facade it's a complete scam like the who ripped them apart the doctor okay yeah the doctor and i'll, I'll uh, i think it might have been one of the things you did and i just was not in the mental frame to like watch to, it to at watch, that moment to watch so that. i went to it and then i pressed save and save 
Yeah, here it is. So, Dr. Um, Dr. Roger Hodgkin, Hodkinson. Um, I mean, he's got some amazing credentials in pathology. It is just absolutely, um, just absolutely awesome. Go, you guys, go listen. Go watch it. Go, go look up Dr. Roger Hodkins. He ripped them apart, and um, and he's like, I'm in the testing business, and he, he even said how the he even was talking about how the testing is flawed. It's ridiculously flawed. I'm yeah. not a doctor, and I'm not the one conducting these tests, but I probably know. <laughs> I have a brain. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an individual thinker. I know at minimum a dozen people, and this was a, like a bunch of people that I had talked to when I was up in New York, because mm-hmm. there's you know, different, every state you know was kind of operating differently, or county, city, like everything, there's just no blanket thing that's happened. Anyways, that they either themselves or knew someone very close. So it's not like, hey, I knew this second uncle who told me the story. It's like yeah. legitimately someone close to them. Where they went to the testing facilities, they signed the you know, the login, you know, check in sheet that they were there to get tested. And then, you know, they're looking at their clock and they're like, dude, it's you know, ten o'clock. I gotta get to work. Like I've been here for two and a half hours. I gotta go. Never oh, got never got this. tested. And they, they go to work. Positive. A week later, they get a they get a, a letter in the mail saying, "Yeah, they tested positive. They need to quarantine. They need to notify everyone." And never got tested. They never even got tested. I've they heard, s- they sign in the paper. That's all. I've heard from multiple people that that's happened as well. There's yeah. flaws in any system. I get it. I guess my biggest thing is I don't like control. And right. I said that to someone. They're like, "Well, you were in the military. How do you not understand control?" I'm like, "No, I understand it." <laughs> And I don't more like so it. more so than more so than most people. Yeah. And I just don't I don't like it. Like I know what it's like to either be in countries and watch those people be controlled and have, you know, even at the time we were in those different places, have a little bit of empathy towards them and, and realize like holy shit, from their shoes, the way they grow up, totally different than mine. They have no freedom, they don't have this, they don't have that. Wow, I am thankful, you know, to be where I'm from. I'm thinking we'd be born the year that I was born, the time frame, 100%. the location. Yeah. Like, that's all by happenstance, man. Yeah. Like, I didn't choose one, that. One in, I didn't dictate that. That one just in a trillion, man. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great thing, you know? And then being someone who's imposed these regulations on different populaces of people in different countries at all different age brackets, but all for the same thing, for complete and utter control. To, to be able to dictate their movement, dictate what they're able to do, so I have the upper hand. In those situations, it was kind of needed because it was a little bit different, you know? It was more, it was a wartime or a controlling factor, but in reality, it's the same thing, man. It's, it's the same it's control. Thing. Yeah. And now I feel that that's happening and to me. And so many people are just blindly letting it happen. And my kids, that is what, like, hurts me as a human being, and that's like, you know, it sounds, you know, like a weird thing to say. And I said it to some people and they're like, oh, that sounds like a real pussy statement. I'm like, no, man, that's, that's a real statement for me. Like, like watching my kids have to go through this. I was talking to a friend of mine and, uh, back in, up in New York. And he was like, just so baffled and, and frustrated at, you know, kind of everything we're talking about. And, uh, I think it's three or four year old daughter or something like that, where she was excited to try and match like her mask with her outfit. Like, that's fucking sad, man. Like, that's really sad that that's what our kids are now, like, trying to do. Is they're trying to, you know, like, just match like masks with outfits. Yeah. And, you know, and they don't know any better. So I don't blame them. It's not their fault that she's being excited. You know, she's just a little kid, yeah. you know, having an excitement factor about something. And that's beautiful. Yeah. But what it's for is what 
hurts. And, and that's, you know. And it's for nothing. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's for something somewhere. Like, there's obviously this uh, uh, flu-type thing that's happening, right? Like, no, no, no. I mean, but, they, I mean? but like, they come out and say, and, and, yeah. and the doctor straight up said that masks don't work. Like, this is, this is a doctor, that has a, he's a doctor in, in pathology. He, was, he went to Cambridge University. And he's like, straight up says, like, it's not, it's not going to do anything. If, if they work, then wouldn't we all be done by now? Like we quarantined, we did all the things, we it should all be over with now. And you know, the other are. things, man, like sit back and do like a social experiment for yourself or anybody who's watching. Like, put yourself in um, in a situation or an environment. Like, walk into a grocery store or like on a, a mall or a shopping center, something yeah. like that. Right, put yourself in a public setting where people are indoors and watch people of different age groups, demographics. Um, and then depending on where you live, mask or not mask, you know, some places you don't have to, but people do. And just watch how people either interact or do not interact with right. people anymore. It's scary. It's right? scary. I mean, yeah. it's scary, like, how far... If I go out... If I social go, distance is like, we are now just afraid of ourselves to even come in a close proximity of another yeah. human being. People don't look each other in the eyes anymore. No. Because they think, they're like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I mean, like, they're, like, they're just scared and like and having the like this scared it's like when you reset when you reach is not good when you and that's when it comes down to is fears like if you allow fear to control your life and dictate your moves like you're already like that you're just screwed up like i will never i will never base my decisions or movements off fear even now like i go and introduce myself and i go to shake someone's hand and they're like uh, uh, yeah, we really can't know, do that. I don't know if we're supposed to do know, that anymore. I'm like, what do you mean we're supposed to do that anymore? Like, who's telling you you can't? Right. Like, and I know everybody's gonna be like, "Well, you're gonna get COVID, and you're gonna do this." Okay, listen, you're gonna get COVID. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about a disease that is has a 99.7 percent survival rate. I'm like, maybe even higher. I was yeah, listening you to know some stuff. And that's where the doctors come in, right? Like the actual sure. doctors who are researching things like this to I'm, figure that. But stuff I'm not out. gonna, I'm not gonna change the way I look at other people and change the way that I, I, my life, for a disease that is essentially a bad cold slash flu. You know, like it's not gonna happen. No. And, and I'm not, and I'm not gonna treat. But but people will look at me, and and luckily I live in a very, you know, you, this is a very small area. Yeah. And we don't really play by those kind of like. Majority of the places are not really playing by those rules, um, even though we have a you know a, a communist socialist governor right now, um, um, and that's we don't make, that's a separate conversation. But this, luckily, this area is, is kind of you know small, and apart from in my situation at the gym, yeah, um, it's been nice. But if you, you go down somewhere else in Wilmington and you don't do those sort of things. They look at you like you're the devil. Yeah, like I'm literally carrying around like the plague and one of those perfume things, like squirting it at people. Yeah, and and I have this aura around me that's gonna just infect and kill anybody I come near. It's it's scary, man. But like we're talking, and and that's what frustrates me is people are acting like this, and the government's pulling all these strings and trying to control the populace, but no one is actually talking about health and getting healthy in the United States. No. No one's saying, hey, you should go to the gym and lose weight because 
you'll be healthier and you'll be more asymptomatic if you do get it. Set yourself up for success as best as humanly possible, right? Like, but no, gyms are closed, McDonald's are open. Like, like, if it's a health, if this is a true health like crisis, why are we not really talking about health? Because it takes work. Is that what it, it is? It, I don't know. It takes work. It takes effort, and then that might. And then they don't have to. They, they don't, don't they, have the control. Over they don't. Anymore. They don't use the control anymore. And that's the thing. Is like if you're really going to talk about this, if you're really listening to this, you're really. Even if you're, you would disagree with me, really ask yourself, is this truly about health? Because if it is, we, why are we not tar- attacking the obesity problem in America? Why are we not talking about heart disease? Why are we not talking about all these food choices and where our food comes from? You know, not to get super hippie on everybody, but like, if it's a health crisis, which we do before, and we had a health crisis before, well before this, well before, <laughs> well before COVID, why aren't we, why aren't we discussing these topics? If anything, it's not saying it's going to make you 100% impenetrable to no, anything. healthy people die all the time. But, yeah, like, like, you get hit by a fucking but bus. Surely it's going to increase your odds on any medical situation that you're going to get yourself into. I mean, we have clients right now that we're working with that are like on our training programs and on, in doing and working with us solely for the fact because they're going into surgery. Like they want to set themselves up as best as they can yeah. to go into surgery. So like they, it's not always... And you know, we've had, you I want to say, four or five people get COVID. Four or five of our training clients had a go- uh, with the agogi. I know three for sure. I think there's more, but I can't. One just one just popped. Oh, okay. Well, his wife popped, and then he thinks he, he hasn't he hasn't had a test, but he's like got symptoms. Yeah. And I said, listen, we'll work. He's like, dude, honestly, it's he, he did he like he went and worked out, dude. You know, I've done everything people aren't supposed to do since March. Right. I've been in 30-some states, maybe, 26. I don't know. I stopped counting. But, like, I've been in deep cities. You know, I've been in the wilderness. I've been in, you know, densely populated areas, small populated areas, small towns. I've been all over the place. I've traveled up, down, left, and have right. You been, have you been afraid of people the whole time? Through this entire country. Hell no. Ducking, dodging people? Oh, no, man. Yeah. No. I've, ne- I've, I've never once looked at it, like, from, from my point of view, like that. But I tell you what's weird or what's very interesting, I should say, maybe, is like all the different states that we've been in, all the different places we've gone to, it, it's like I'm constantly conducting my own social experiment to see, well, what is it like here today? I remember, yeah, you know? Hannah, I know Hannah was talking about that at dinner. How she was like, you get it, you guys have gotten into here and you just kind of pause and just see, yeah, dude. like, how do people act here? What are they expecting? Because you, before you do anything, you just kind of have to like watch and like yeah. see... Oh, what's the what's the environment what's, what's like? What's the social norm around here? Yeah, like, right. How, how weirded out are people around here? And Can I be myself, or do I need to like <laughs> suppress it a little bit? Yeah. Uh, anyways, well, that sucks. Let's get into it. Um, oh, thanks for starting off with a bang. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's what people are all talking about. That's what they want to hear. And I just personally could give two shits. And then you know, we can get into the whole president thing too. Is you know, it's like, I obviously, you know, with my channel, I've told everybody where I have a present, you know, and I, then we can get into the election thing, which is, it's just a, a shame that, and what sucks is the American people will never trust an election again. Um, at the end of the day, regardless of who you want to win, and I feel like you're probably on the same page as I am, even though, just so you know, like Josh and I have never talked politics, and I think you're... Of the ten years, uh, ten years now. Yeah, 
since 10 years, I don't think we've ever talked politics. Because, to be honest... It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. So like, that was my, that's my point, is like, as much as I want, you know, this election to go the way that it should, um, and just give me four more years to get our business in order so that we can have an exit strategy, uh, as much as that, as much as I want that, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, will things change? Yeah, they yeah. will. But I'm still going to work hard. I'm still going to wake up at a certain time. I'm still going to train my body. I'm still going to, you know, select the foods that I put in my mouth. And I'm still going to work on my business and, you know, do... And that's, that's, that's what it. we've been trying to tell... I've been trying to tell myself. Because, yeah. I mean, you need to tell yourself that. I Boy, and our clients, too. That yeah, people it's, that like have a, been... it's like a self-reassurance, yeah. you know, to your own self. So I've been trying to do that to myself and with the kids. Yeah. Where, you know, they'll impose, like, questions every once in a while. They'll say something. And I just... I don't lie to them and I don't purposely try and, you know, skirt around something. But these are the principles that, you know, that we talk about is let's live our life. Let's, mm -hmm. we're still waking up every day. We're still, you know, playing with each other every day, hanging out with each other every day. We're still going to conduct an activity that's fun, that no one's going to be able to hold us down because we're going to create whatever is fun to us and enjoyable. Yeah. We're still going to have dinner <laughs> and we're... Going to go to bed, maybe watch a movie together, maybe have yeah. some ice cream. But this, like, our normal life activities are not going to change. We yeah. And I cannot. Like, I cannot, meaning, like, I have to put my foot down with my own self and my family and state that this cannot happen. No matter yeah. how much someone wants to disallow me to be able to do or whatever you want to call it, man. Like, right. I still have to live by those life principles and make sure that, like, my kids still have that view of the world of, you know, not being so concerned about you know external things you know um affecting your daily activities and the rest of the stuff we pivot we'll pivot and figure it out and keep moving forward and keep making money and like doesn't really matter anyways all right uh all right let's just get into the military stuff you want to yeah you want to get into the let's go should we do this in order or should we just just go in order. Just go. That way, if I bounce around, like I love this I'd one. I'd rather just stay. Everybody says that. Uh, everybody says I've never seen a small raider. They're just bigger. They're just bigger and bigger. <laughs> I've seen plenty of small ones. And um, and one of the things that like one of the the greatest ones is like Eddie Bravo. Oh, dude. Like I don't even know. He had to been under one fifty. So small in stature, small yeah. in height, and. Small urban body frame. Yeah. Yeah. And the dude could carry just as much weight as me and move just as fast as me. So, yes, you can have be small and be Come in all shapes and sizes. All folks. shapes and sizes. And honestly, dude, those dudes are, I don't know. Maybe they have more to prove. I don't know what it is. But, dude, they all the small guys that I've known were, like, top performers. Raging little spitfires. Yeah. So, if you manage to get in special operations in the next few years... What do you guys envision the mission sets will be like? Do you see many combat deployments happen? So this is something that I talked about. This is something I talked about with uh, the whole changing of uh, the Trump administration. Yeah. The conventional forces were kind of, he was like, you're out. Yep. We're dealing with an asymmetrical fight at the time. So he really, implied, he really um, employed soft. So I think that 
I think that you'll see a lot of, it will kind of go back to peacetime soft missions with training. And, and I, don't, I don't, I mean, to be honest, like the location may change. Yeah. It may not. Like there's, but there's, there's going to be a location where guys are still conducting activities and doing work. Yeah, that's and why then, I call it training. And I'm just going to call it software out doing. You know training. what I mean? And then there's, and then there's going to be guys that are back stateside that are still conducting, you know, legitimate training in preparation to go somewhere and do, well, and and do and their I mean, job. And I mean training. I mean training deployed. Yeah, training. You're but, out. You're you know out what I mean? training. Like that, that's never going to change. Hopefully, because yeah, otherwise, then they become. I mean, it's happening right now. It's yeah. happening right now, and it's, we're shaping the battlefield, and we've, you know, like, where's ISIS? Hmm. Strange. Yeah. So, no, it, I think it will be, uh, I think soft will do what soft has always done. I think, unfortunately, during the war, our time, we did, sometimes our deployments were not what we should have been doing. We were, because we were at, because the, the battle space was such a conventional mind, mindset, Soft kind of got wrapped into this whole playing whack-a-mole and, you know, not really focused on its core task. But then once we went back to that. Pulled back, you know, and kind of went back to. It started shaping the battlefield and we were able, and like our deployment, we were we were able to affect actual change yep. in an area. And I think that's what you'll see a lot more is, this is my personal opinion, is a lot more of that in, in, a, in a variety of countries. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, are we doing the day in the life of Marsock? Should that should should that be a separate video? It can. I mean, it can be a whole separate video. But yeah, we'll do, we'll do a day in the life of of a Marsock Raider, okay. both past and current. Yep. Yeah. Later. Um, is it possible to get into a recon or force recon contract off the bat? Do you reckon? So yeah, you can do a recon contract. Um, I don't think you do it in my day. I think you. I don't think you could. But yeah, you can do a recon contract. But I think if you don't make it, you're infantry. I have a couple guys that are on our training right now that have gotten out and they're looking to go back in, and they want you know they want the 21 contract. They want to be able to go to BRC, and recruiters are giving them the old sleight of hand of well. I can get you in as an 11, and then hopefully, you know, we can get you a slot to BRC. Like, with the whole yeah. case, with the good intentions. No, man. So, like. so, this is my advice. is So, you, it's, it's different between a contract and an option. An option means you get to take the screener at SOI. Yeah. And then if you pass the screener and you meet all the requirements, you know, ASFAB score and what and GT score and, what, and whatnot plus train, then you get to... You get to do it, but my thing is, if why not go for it? Why not lock that in? And the only person that you have to blame, not your recruiter, not your mom, not your daddy, not your drill instructor, your instructor, or whatever. The only person you have to blame is yourself. Yep, that's it. And that's what I'm telling these guys right now. Yeah. I, I'm, and, and I say, hey, I, I'm not in your shoes. I'm not the one talking to the recruiter. You know, the back to back and forth, you know, conversations or the sit downs, whatever you guys are having. Yeah, I'm not doing that. But if I were you, and especially the guys who've already done an enlistment, I said, hey, you guys know a little bit more than someone who's never been in. Yeah. Right? Like, you kind of have a little bit of inside knowledge at this right. point. So if you do not get what you want, I, me personally, I would not sign the paperwork. 
I would just put my foot in the mud and say, okay, if there's not one open right now, then I mean, you either I'm gonna wait. Like, you're either all in. Or I'm gonna you're... wait three months, or I'll wait six months. I'm gonna wait until that slot opens, and I'm gonna keep training and keep prepping myself, and I'm just gonna be in better physical, mental shape so I can knock it out of the ballpark, man. But I'm not signing something if I don't have what I want. And I did that in my career, and I'm not. And I tell people the same. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're either. Those type of jobs, when you go for any sort of soft selection or you go for, you know, forced recon or recon or whatever, dude, you have to be mentally all in. Like, you're there to die on your hill. Yeah, there's no half-half. There's no half-half. And, like, contingency plans and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you can figure that shit out after in. But you mentally have to go into that because if you even have, like, a A, B, C, D, whatever contingency plan while you're at B or C or at selection, as soon as shit goes sideways, because it will... Your mind is going to go, oh, well, I can just go to B. Yeah, well, you know you what? Know? This, this this sucks. section of whatever we're conducting right now, it kind of sucks. And I don't know if I'm going to make it because this guy's faster than me. And I think he's a little bit tougher than me. So, well, maybe I'll just not put forth the effort because I can just go do this because I already have this set up for me. Right. Like, fuck no, man. I didn't have nothing. I mean, I talked about it with um, what's it, Chris Albert. Yeah. You, talk, you talked to him as well. Yeah. And I told him the whole thing of what I did, man. I had nothing. I had an RE3 Oscar. Like, dude, I was... Same. I so, was, say, they're, they're there like, was well, no what, fallback, man. They, that's it what was, I think there's a, question, there's a question on here about, like, what did you think? What was your plan B if you didn't make it through recon? I was like, I would have been out. I told him, I was talking to Allie about it. I would have been out of the Marine Corps because I, I did a lat move. And my graduation date was August 31st. My EAS was October 12th. So... You're done, man. If I didn't graduate from ARS, it was I was out of the Marine Corps. I lost my boat space because I didn't select it to re-enlist. Yeah. So my re-enlistment was contingent on... It's pretty much where mine was. Being in 0321. It was in selection. So I don't remember the date. No, it would have been... Yeah. I it think was I was close. somewhere around that time, too. I, it was like two months or something yeah. afterwards. I would have gotten out. And then once I had passed, I had a... Reenlist in that, order to go that changes your thought process of what you're going through. Yeah, it's like there's no there's no option. No, I was like forward training like three days. Yeah, prior to going there. Yeah, and I'm gonna make it happen. Yeah. Anyways, so there there there's you go. There's your mindset on that. If you're 18 right now, would you still join the military, having all the knowledge and experience that you have, also with everything that's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I I would. Um, I mean, obviously, the military is drastically different from from our day, but I personally would. And I honestly like as as weird as it is. Um, I have no issues with, you know, my future son going in, um, you know, whether it be for college benefits or, you know, for whatever. But the reason why that I would like personally, I'd like to see him eventually is it's a service mentality. It's a, it's something that's bigger than you. And it sucks, right? It sucks. And I think that going in, serving people, and having to take orders and go through that whole process, one, makes you grow up, but it makes you appreciate certain things. Um, and you can say, like, I actually did something and served my country. Um, you know, I gave. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. In some sort of capacity. It doesn't mean Same, you need yeah. to go straight into recon or like... SF no, I'd actually prefer... I'd actually prefer maybe... Like. 
prefer maybe not. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there's some, hopefully, he's, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll have to see how that goes. But no, I would, I would do, I wouldn't change anything. So if I was, you know, 18 right now, I, I would say I'd probably still want to be a recon marine or a raider. I was going in no matter what. Like, that was my, that was my decision. Yeah, you I, gave up a scholarship. Yeah. 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 You, where were you going to go to school? That was the whole point. <laughs> I, had a couple, I had a couple a couple different places I could have went, but I just didn't. That wasn't it. No, nah, man. School wasn't my bag. I you, wanted to You do broke it. the Hansberger baseball uh, tradition. I wrote it out for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> Guy can still uh, knock him out of the park, though. Um, it's the hardest thing about adopting to civilian life after being in the military for so long. And what will you miss the most about your military experience? The hardest thing about adopting, adapting, adapting, adapting. Well, the hardest thing about adapting is not adopting <laughs> an entire new mindset and a realization that you're yeah. not in anymore. Yeah. And the quicker that you make that mental switch and that understanding about your life and create a new direction forward, then that's when things will start opening. I wrote a book up. about it. Well, yeah. What do you know? Yeah, well, yeah. Strangely placed there. Yep. Um, yeah, I like, the, I like the way you adopt a different mindset because so many people, the best thing they've ever done in their life is being in the military. Yep. Like that's... It's for, a, most, for a lot of people, it is. It's a very transformative time in their life. Yeah. They usually went in when they were, you know, 18 to whatever, you know, if it was four years or six years or eight or something like that, right? Like, it's a big part of their life. It created who they were. Sure, but like that's... As an adult. How... That's... The bar is set so low. If like by the time you you are thirty, you get out, or twenty one, and the greatest thing you've ever done in your entire life is served in the military at whatever capacity you did, like that can't be it. You've got forty to sixty more years to do something to live else. to do something it's else. It's an amazing thing, and no one can ever take it from you. Just like you it'll always be a part of you. Yeah, yeah. Just like a guy who played. I don't know, Division One football or something. He right. didn't go to the NFL but went on to a different career in I don't know, pediatrics or whatever, man. Like yeah. something that has nothing to do with their job. You have to make that switch knowing that you're not doing that And job. it takes time. And that's why the book is, you know, it's called The Seven Stages of Transition. And it does take time. And it, it takes time to adjust and to, to figure out what the next thing is. And honestly, to figure out what you're, who, you're, who you are. Because while you're in... Everything is wrapped. Your identity is wrapped up being in the military, so it takes a while to figure out. Like, you can, you know, you can be whoever you want to be, whatever kind of purple unicorn you want to be these days. You can do whatever you want to do. Um, biggest challenges from as a whole, your training in schools for MARSOC and or recon. Biggest challenges. Whatever was in front of me at that time. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a very broad question, but I think that it really comes down to, yeah, whatever that hurdle is at the time, you take it at an individual. Because, yeah. I mean, when you're going through your initial stages. there's so many. That initial stage, that's your hardest because you're trying to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And then there's a stage after that. You're trying to, you know, push through that. And then you're going to another school that you probably don't have much knowledge or information about. So now you have to relearn something else. So then that's your hardest because you got to learn it, adopt yeah. it, and then be proficient at it. This is a big one. How to train for recon with absolutely no access to a pool. You find don't. One. You fucking find one. Find one. If you think 
that you're going to go to recon or go to go to selection or go to ITC and never put your body in a pool, you're going to fail. That's my opinion. Unless you prior to training your Olympic water polo team member. Yeah, water polo I mean? is probably the closest people because they actually get the shit beat out of them. Yeah, like uh, yeah. that's the that's the <clears throat> only thing. Like if you have if you have a, a history in water polo, and you played at an elite level, then maybe you're okay. <laughs> but if you think that you're not going to train, and that's why all of our programs have pool work built into them. It's mandatory because I would say fifty percent of the of the quitters quit in the pool. If you don't have a pool. Find a lake. You know, the lake, find a pond. You know, a pond, find the ocean or the gulf. <laughs> but get, something. get in like, the water. You, you yeah, it's, a, water. it's a hard, it, there's a hard no. If you have absolutely no pool access to a pool, do not set yourself up for failure because you are. It's, it's not everything, but it's a huge part of the huge process. part of it. Opportunities might have after service, possibly considering trying out for reconnaissance operators. Um, sign for basic intelligence contract, five years. You are going to be in that job for five years because I don't think they're in that community. I think it's a high needs MOS. I think you have to retain, like, there's not much transfer. You can lap move, maybe. I know some guys who have, but I don't know anybody who is junior in that field. Yeah, that but, that but did a move over. Trying so out I, for trying out for recon or raider after your first few years might be difficult. I would talk to career planner and monitor. Yeah. Um, Step one would be to be as proficient as humanly possible. Yeah. At your job that you're that you're serving in or that you will be serving in. Yeah. Be the best that you can be at that capacity, so then you look like a high level candidate. You know, to cross over into something else. And then, as far as outside, like when you get out after that five years, dude. It's too far down the road. Too far down the road, but trust me, you'll have, as, a, as an intelligence, um, somebody who works in the intelligence field, you will have plenty of opportunities. And you will know those once you're in, because yeah. you'll have networked and worked with people. Um, let's see. I, this is a question, I'm going to try to be real clear question between recon and, and forest recon 25 miles um that's really it it's a, a 25 mile radius and uh yeah and both are 0321s so there's while there's a couple little differences it's still the reconnaissance community and i've served in both recon battalion and forest recon and uh yeah what do you think about joining the military above the age of 25 or after college? Awesome. Yeah. I, I believe so because you're you're going to be framed with a little bit more life experience. Several programs will pay your college off depending on what your field are, like medical and some things like that. Yeah. will pay your college tuition off if you join for a certain amount of years. So not another bad option. Yeah. I'm not a fan of college even though I've, I just got my master's degree in August, um, but I didn't pay a dime for it. Actually, that's not true. I paid like $1,400 for my last class because my GI Bill ran out. But I t tell kids all the time, they're like, should I go to college or should I join the military? And, then, and I'm, my question is, how are you going to pay for college? If it's going to be student loans and that kind of bullshit, then no, join the military. Have somebody else pay for it. It's not that, it's not that big of a deal. Depending on your MOS and how you allocate your time, 
Yeah. I did not allocate it very uh, smartly or intelligently. <laughs> like, but I know plenty of people um, that, I may, that I, use their time wisely and their resources. And well, you can go to school. I, I say that, but it, did, it was like 10 years. Yeah, but well, you still did it. So I know plenty yeah. of people that have joined, been active, you know, been enlisted and been active. Yeah. And you can go to school. Yeah. And for free. while you're in, you don't use your GI Bill. It's yep. a totally different pot of money. Yep. And you get free schooling, you know, if you can juggle everything, you know. So that's what I did was I did my, my general education, my associate's degree while I was in, which gave me the ability to finish my bachelor's and a master's program on my GI Bill. Which was, you know, I have to pay. they actually pay you to go to school, which is brilliant. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna go to college, um, unless it's a scholarship, I wouldn't waste your money, man. Don't go in debt. Go to school. YouTube and, and the internet, like what did Elon Musk say? Like, like you don't need higher education. Most of the time, all that stuff is behind. To give you an example, Johnny, you know Johnny's in an internet yeah. marketing degree right now, and. Um, one of his instructors evaluated his website and says, you should remove these this text pop-up. People don't like it. It's yeah. spammy. And I'm like, okay, this is a marketing professor teach, like saying this. So we pulled the metrics. Um, on, that of, on that pop-up? On that pop-up yeah. of how much money that pop-up has made us yeah. in a matter of 90 days. And all of this is a text notification. Yeah. Like you get notified if a product goes in, you know, we can message out. So we just, you know, we shared the metric. She, he shared the metric with her and she got all, and she gave him a bad grade. Well, not a bad grade. She gave him an 85. And then she responded, well, that's so nice that that's working out for you like that. And it's a significant amount of money, yeah. right? Meanwhile, a marketing team that you're working with who's currently working in the field yeah, is providing this new information that's current with the times. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so like my point being with college is like, it's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And there's a lot of information out there. And if you want to be a freaking rocket scientist, you could get your own books, go on the internet and just dive into that for the next five years with no college and be just, be like, one of the leading, you know, people in the industry as far as knowing the, yeah. knowing the data. So, anyways, so this one is one that we we've discussed at length in other videos, but um, we gotta hit it again. Um, officers in Marsoc. Okay. What about them? People that want to be an officer in Marsoc. What do you think? What makes a good one? First off, you how do you get there? is 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 quite difficult i mean when you go to tbs i mean you're up quantico for a little while you taught those yeah. guys yep um you don't really get to pick your job you get to pick your three top three and then you get thrown in th thirds top three thirds and it's based off of performance yeah max, max there's right. a little algorithm that goes into it but and then so if you want to be a you know the good thing is now Marsoc has a, as an officer as an office officer in MOS, so it's O three seventy. So any officer can take selection, just like any enlisted yep. Marine can come and go to take selection. Um. So then you're in, you're in the community forever. 
Which but is awesome. Which is awesome. But your team time is very limited. Yeah. Typically. Typically. I do know one that got ha- two. Has been out with multiple teams, been an XO of that same company. Yeah, but how many teams did he in? Did he? Two. Two. So that's the max. So like that's <clears throat> that's typically the max. Typically an officer yeah. is gonna get one tour with the team and then he's moving on. Even as a even as a career, you know, raider raider officer. So that's what, like when people are talking about being an officer, you have to put yourself in check of like what I always ask, what is it that you imagine yourself doing? Yeah. Cause if you imagine yourself going out on ops and actually doing the job, then being an officer is not what you want to do. And I'm not saying that they those, they don't get to do that sometimes, but it's not their primary job. No, they're there to conduct a, a different job within that job. Yeah. A different portion of it. Just like someone on the team is like your, your Delta, your medic, your SART. Yeah. Like, yes, they're doing the stuff that the team is doing, but they're actually tasked there to do a very specific thing. Yeah. And they are tasked to do a specific thing as well. And you're going to, and then once you're done with your team time, you're going to go be an assistant ops or XO, or you're going to move on to something else. You're going to go to the regiment. You're going to go training. You're going to go to the G7. I mean, you're going to go something. I would like to see, and again, haven't been there in, in a while, but I still have communication with people and talk. Like I would like to see, hopefully maybe they've, Build up some ranks or something somewhere on the upper side and keep guys around longer in the teams. And I wish they would have done it in the very beginning. But the longer you keep them around the teams, there still has to be a progression somewhere. I understand that. Yeah. But if you keep them in the teams a little bit longer, they have that much more context of what the teams are about, of what the operational needs and how the job is actually operationally conducted from the men because they've been with them. They've been on the team with them. And then they just... Instead of escalating them so far up, up the you know up the political spectrum of it, I mean yeah. essentially is delay the process a little bit, keep them in the teams a little bit longer, you know, make them do at least a couple of rotations, and then yeah. you know make them do something else um, from a company capacity before they can move up, and so that way once they get to a point where they're actually like you know injecting policy or talking to other soft leaders, they've experienced the board, it. They can now come with yeah background knowledge yeah. information and firsthand actions, um, and, and speak maybe a little more you know um, eloquently about what's really happening. I think this is where it gets that you know officers get a bad rep in the command is because of that exact thing. They don't have the experience. So for instance, one of the times, <clears throat> one of the times, one of my officers, you know, we would say like, hey, why are we doing this? We need to do this. Like, this is a problem. Like, we've just done this. You know, it's like Groundhog's Day. Why aren't they listening? You know, and he would be like, well, what's the problem, man? It's not that big of a deal. It's like, dude, this is your first, like, you're, this is your first time. This is our seventh. Yeah. You know, we've been doing, we've been dealing with the same bullshit for, you know, seven rotations. And he's like, well, it's not a big deal. But then as soon as you get that team, that, that officer that's in the team, the second, he's like, we just dealt with this last time. Why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, so it's like that perception of, you know, them having to be in it with the guys that have been doing it professionally for over a decade. Now their perception changes and they, like you said, they've got that experience of, now I want to actually make things better. Because at the end of the day, 
officers make policy, enlisted enforce policy. Yeah. You know, and a lot of this is, is set up against them. Really, I yeah, mean, it it's, is. it's not it's not their fault that this is the structure of, of where it is. But if you go into it with the awareness and the understanding that this is how it is, maybe you know on your first time around, you can go into it kind of knowing that, right, and be a little more open, you know, to what's going to go on, so you can be the receiver of it, and you know, as you get pushed through, uh, maybe you know, be a little more, you know, knowledgeable on, on how things really happen. So, what do you think? What's what's some good qualities? That, like, if you if you were going in as an officer today. What are some qualities that they should have to be most effective on a team and in the command? Be the best officer that they can. Now that sounds very like bland and well, you know, break it down for me. In very broad spectrum, but yeah. to be quite honest, like they're there to serve a job. They're there to do a certain task. Just as a breacher has a task, or the weapons guy, or the medic, like be the fucking best that you can be. Be there to assist your men. Right. Be there to listen to them, receive what they're saying. So because you're the one who's talking to hire, you're the one who's really projecting the men's message. And if they're the who ones that are, have been doing it way longer than you have. Yeah. Yeah. So use your use use them to basically be be armed with the ammo of maybe what you want to tell hire. And then use your knowledge and your expertise as being an officer and understanding the policy and understanding, you know, maybe some of the other backdoor stuff that's happening at that time to be able how to project what the men are trying to say and trying to do, not your own objectives for yourself. Um, so really just be, be the best uh, officer that you can be and then also listen to them because like you said, they've been doing it for longer. It ain't your fault. Yeah. Put the ego down. And well, take the funny, rank off. It's, it's funny you say that because a lot of officers will get very career orientated and they'll really think about themselves and their career and what's best for them. And what's always best for them isn't necessarily always what's best for the men and the team. Usually it's the direct opposite. Yeah. So don't get those two misconstrued. Understand yeah. and, and kind of hold yourself in the environment that you're in and stop thinking about you know personal longevity or career longevity. Not to not to like negate your career, you know. But yeah, like, of course. Don't don't think so far in the future that you're not really concerned and fully wrapped up into what's happening right now to ensure that your team one is able to do their job as best as humanly possible. They get out alive, and you know they're geared or armed with everything that you can give them and everything you can provide them because you're the only guy in the team that has that job. Because the flip side of that, and I'm a little jaded, but. Um, with officers, but the flip side of that is the officer worries about their own career and then literally ruins and has the ability to yeah. ruin the men's a guy on the on the team yeah. career. And this isn't to talk all negatively against officers. It's not no. that whatsoever. It's just they with, ask the with, question. The, with the questions being imposed. <laughs> yeah. And this goes across the line of really you could say any MOS. That's true. That this isn't just you know just the, just the unit being yeah. in the Raider community. I mean, like yeah. this is any MOS across the board. You have to remember, you know, like I wouldn't go into lead if you were in the outside world, you know, in the civilian sector. You know, you wouldn't jump into a company not having any knowledge or information about how the company operates. Well, people do it all the time, but I hope not. Yeah, what their right? workflow is, what their operational status is. And yeah, 
you just come in as a guy who have, has experience in managerial or supervisory role, or, like, are told, roles and responsibilities. Are told that they are. Yeah, yeah, and then you just jump in and, and not listen to the people who are on the ground floor, you know, doing the work. I think that's probably one of the biggest gripes that I have with the Marine Corps in the officer community is at, through OCS and TBS, they are literally told they're in charge, that they know better, that they have better leadership. So the ones that are not astute enough to realize that's kind of some bullshit yeah. and they go in believing that, it, it like damn near destroys a team or a platoon. I've had officers, man, that were like just cooler than hell. Yeah. That I had an amazing relationship with. And it, it's not them dumbing themselves down to our level. It's us working collectively as a team or as a unit. Well, it's just like, like with be. any leader, with any leader, you go, you approach, you approach a team or you, you approach in, in any business or military or whatever, you approach them with identifying everyone's strengths and what they can bring to the table. And that's how a team, like you apply everyone's strengths. And, and if you find someone that has a strength, you put them in that and you add fuel to it. Yeah. Right. That's what, as an officer, that's what you should be doing is finding your people and, and inspiring them, motivating them to be the best version of themselves. And making it very clear and concise what your objectives are there as yeah. well. Like, even though a, a, a team or a, a platoon or whatever your MOS is may have had three officers rotate through them, yeah, everyone's going to be different. So when the new guy steps in, you know... Have a sit down with you know your your higher echelon you know your your team chief and, and whoever is your higher guys on that team, and you know do a little powwow maybe with them first and say hey this is who I am and this is this is what I'm about you know yeah. and talk to them like a man, and then that way you can start disseminating everything down you know to the team. Yeah, if you walk in and don't do that and you're like I'm the captain, yeah, you're just. It's not going to go well for you. It's going to be a long year. It's going to be a very well. You now it's like to, whatever you know. What I mean, that like, was like three years. Yeah, like what we all yeah. work up team time, post time, yeah. like whatever. That that section of time is. It's going to be a long one. And it's going to be a fight. And who wants that? No matter what side of the coin you're on, nobody wants like, that. No one wants that. It doesn't yeah, make for a very fun day to go to work. No, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't be a douche. <laughs> be a leader. Create a cohesive environment. Yeah. Be a leader. Don't be a douche. So that's it. That's that's it. I like to say on martial arts officers. I'm just gonna can that, and we're gonna re put that on repeat for forever now. What do you feel has been your greatest accomplishment? What would you say was your biggest humbling moment? The biggest humbling moment is gonna be every single thing that I've ever done that I've failed at, and that's not. There's not one biggest humbling one. I would say every mistake that I've ever made has been a humbling moment personally. I can't say there's really one thing. I mean, I've, I've like screwed up so much, like patrolling, like all kinds of different things, but they're all equally keeping thing, keeping you in check. And it's also a learning moment. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could go to the other side of the coin with that devil's advocate ish mm -hmm. is, you know, when you do make those accomplishments and when you do have those victories that you set your, you know, your mind to or your, your objectives at is realizing, you know, that you may have someone to your left or to your right that did it a little bit better than you. So even though yeah. you put yourself out there as best as humanly possible, you prepped, you studied, or you trained, or someone, whatever the case may be, and you fucking, you knocked it out of the park. Right? Someone's like, smarter and stronger. Someone's always going to be smarter, stronger, faster, more intelligent. Something's going to be it. Yeah. And don't, you know, and using that as a humbling experience of being like, okay, I can be better, and now I'm going to go, you know, and do a little bit better next time. 
or you feel your greatest accomplishment. I, don't, I haven't haven't gotten there yet. Haven't had my greatest accomplishment yet because it's in the future. And my, my point being is it's always the next one. Yeah. Apart from having kids, I guess you could say. Being a dad, three kids. Uh, win, yeah. uh, check mark in the win column for, for yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah, done. Cha-ching. Yeah. Really you really don't beat that. Um, I was married during my time in Marshock. We both were. Um, do you stand by the don't get married during your first enlistment? I mean, typically, yes. But that really depends on the individual and the relationship. Make sure you know who you are and what you're really getting yourself. I think that's the biggest problem is people don't know who they are. No. And I, don't, I wouldn't expect you to. Right. It's like your first four years, 18 to 22... As a, a kid who's going to college at eighteen to twenty-two, yeah, like you, most people aren't ready to get married at twenty to. I mean, you know, most, college people, most most people don't even know who they are until, until, you know, late twenties, yeah. and then if you're in the military, you don't even know who you really are until you get out and have to go through that transition and figure out who you are after the military. <laughs> I think where that saying comes from though is like when op tempo is so freaking high. I mean, like I was watching guys just get married at the swing of it. Almost because they were like, yeah, whoever the, she, she's good enough, and I don't know if I'm gonna, you know, whoever was showing them attention at the what was it called the cave, yeah, the driftwood down there, <laughs> the Sneeze Fairy Ballet, like yeah, it's good enough, and now putting your self worth above it, you know, and being yeah. like, no, I want, I'm gonna wait for what I want. Yeah, just if you're young, be young, do your time. Uh, if you really want a good relationship, work out all your bullshit in your life first. Um, go experience everything you want to experience, and then. And then when you, you know, have calmed down, figure out, then do it. Because otherwise, if you do it and you still, I mean, you're just going to wreak havoc on people's lives, man. And to include yourself. Um, oh, yeah, let's train. Let's talk about training. I hit that? Yeah. Um, would you train CrossFit for recon? No. <laughs> so, I would, <laughs> no. If you want to, if you want to call it CrossFit, right? Yeah. If you want to call it CrossFit, the answer is the answer is no. Um, if you want to say strength and conditioning, um, yes. Right? I just be, the word CrossFit, the programming. If you're talking about CrossFit and CrossFit HQ, the programming isn't designed specifically for you know training for reconnaissance. Your program design needs to be specifically designed for the desired outcome that you wish to have. That's like saying, I right. want to be a D1, I just learned this too, a D1 football player, so I'm going to do CrossFit. That's, you know, I'm going to train for the combine, so I'm going to do CrossFit. No, you're going to train for the combine. Yeah. You know. I mean, how are you going to train for the combine? You're going to, you know. Those people are going to find a trainer, but I mean, like, yeah. really what the trainers are doing and what your coaches are doing. They're going to look at the combine. They're looking at the combine. And go backwards. What are you expected to yeah. do? What are the objectives, you know, you have to achieve? What is, you know, a time frame you have to run this in or should or bench this? How many times? Then they're going to figure out where you are right now, and then they're going to back build a plan specifically for, you know, either that event or yeah. for that lifestyle. And yeah. CrossFit as just a naming convention. It's a name. Is great and for what it is but it's not a specifically designed thing to get you into 
really in excelling at any branch of you know special operations. Now, generally, sure. Yes. You know, if you have a good coach, and I'm not talking about their their main program. Like, if you go to a CrossFit gym that has a really good strength conditioning coach, they just happen to be a CrossFit gym. Then sure, you can get an overall, you know, shape. Yeah. But like you're talking about training for reconnaissance, you're talking about rucking, patrolling, swimming, finning. It's just so much bigger. At some point, you're going to have to do an assessment factor. Yeah. To say, hey, is this training even effective towards my objectives that I have to do? And right. Is this training, you know, getting me to a point where I can do this many pull-ups? Is this training? Getting me to a point where I can ruck, you know, this fast with this much weight on my right. back, you know, um, time under distance. And, and right? not, you know, just to, to point out our book, but honestly, the reason why we wrote that, the, the Raider Prep book was, that is the training that I would have done if I would have known better. Oh, I would have. Wish you I know what I'm saying? I, Same with Raider Prep. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have done the other things that I did. No. I would have done what we've built. And the reasons why we built them is because... We went through them and we saw, you know, we saw what was lacking and we saw the, the issues with it. So, no, I, CrossFit, generally speaking, I would say it's a no. And then I would, I would do something more specified to the area of expertise that you're going for. Yeah. So we've got, I keep getting this question about Recon. For some reason, Recon, Force Recon, and Raider, uh, or Marsoc, talking about them disbanding the, the commands. They've been talking about disbanding the Marine Corps as a whole for like 20 years. No, they started... <laughs> you know that the reason why Sands of Iwo Jima was made was to create public support for the Marine Corps because they were talking about disbanding it after World War II. Yeah. Like, guys, it's here. MARSOC was, was stood up in 06. It's not going to go away. Like, it's part of SOCOM. It's not, it's not going to... In the recon community, I don't know why... What, what it is, what, where this comes from is these conventional lieutenant colonel and above people that get out and they go write these articles for these like think tanks and all this like, you know, I got one sent to me the other day talking about how soft is not elite and special is special, but it's not elite and they shouldn't be called elite. And I'm like, okay, he made some good points, but you're talking semantics over words now. Juggling terminology. You're juggling terminology and it's just like, you're being, you're being ridiculous. I don't think it's ever going to go away. I could totally be wrong, but in my opinion, it's not like Marsoc's here to stay. The, the Marine Corps needs its reconnaissance asset. Um, they made that mistake in the mistake in the past, and and they brought it back. They, they, they got rid of Raiders in the past, and they brought it back. I think we I think we've learned from our mistakes at this point, and because of the how fast we're rolling these days and what's going on in the world, I don't think we're ever going to slow down enough for them to... I mean, those guys are engaged. I would surely hope not, because yeah. there's... Unfortunately, in the world, that has not changed for a very long duration of time. There are things that need to you know, be encountered with that yeah. these guys are specifically designed to counter these people with. And until that stops... You have a need. You have a need. Yeah. If you have a need, you have to keep producing that need and training and yeah. properly organizing and arming and you know defending the, the people. Uh, I want to join the military and enlist, but my family doesn't want me to. There's a lot of other stuff he's saying in there, but I had this conversation with my nephew and then with my sister. I remember that, yeah. And 
and it was the same conversation and the same words that I said to both of them that I would say to anybody else. It is your life. It is your career. You do what you want to do. Your family is not going to be the one to walk your shoes and to live in your life for the next four to five years, whatever it may be, if you so choose to go in. If that's what you want to do, go do it. Your family's going to raise reservations because they care about you and because they might think that you know all these negative and harmful things are going to happen to you and they're, they're approaching it with caution. They're not trying to figure out, is it something that you want to do and support you making a decision to do something you want to do? I love my mom and dad. If I always did what they wanted to do, there's no way I would be where I'm at in my life and career no. and success. I, I think because I, you're, you're always going to hold, want to hold, protect your kids and hold them back. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with maybe a parent wanting to do that, but I think as a parent now, my kids are young, so yeah. I'm trying to learn that as best as I can right, right now. Is like, even though I might have some of those thoughts, feelings, and expressions, like I need to ensure that like I'm helping them get and achieve what they want. Right. And something that's that's this large, man. I think I actually told my nephew if I could recall it. You know, it was like, well, fuck her. And it was nothing negative about her as an individual. It was just, she's not going to walk your shoes. And she's right. not going to live your life. And what's crazy, and what's even worse, what's even worse than that is, imagine if you don't join because of your parents. And then in five, six years, 10 years, 20 years, think about the level of resentment that you might have. That's something you really want to do and you really want to try. Think about the level of resentment that you're going to have against them for holding you back when truly just do what you want. it's your own fault, though. Yeah. You know it is, because you made the decision, you to, made the decision. to or to not to. And yeah. that goes the same with officers are enlisted. Like, when you're, like if your family's trying to push you in one direction and you're trying to go the other, listen to them, right? Like, yeah. just listen to them. It doesn't hurt. Maybe they're going to yeah, provide you with something that you didn't think of. A perspective, right. That you didn't think of. So now your perspective and your thought process is a little bit more well-rounded and you can more clearly make a better decision, but but at the end of the day, it's it's you. It's your it's your decision, a hundred percent. And you have to hold yourself accountable for the failures or successes that you do. Yeah. And you can't say, well, you should you should have maybe not go in, or I should have gone, you know, whatever. You should have, would have, could have. But at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road, it's your responsibility. My mom didn't want me to go in. I I could guess yeah, if I asked her. She signed the paperwork when I was seventeen. Yeah. You really think I think she was super stoked for me to go enlisted into, you know, O three infantry in the Marine Corps? Probably yeah. not. You gotta make but your she own supported path. me. You gotta make your own path, man. Alright guys. I think that's it. I call it. Alright. Finito. Yeah. Uh remember, text me and uh we'll I'll pick two people and send you these battle boxes. All I need is an address and uh what else? Uh a gogi training. For those of you who are interested, jump on board. Jump on board. If you want to change your life, man, you want to drop 20 pounds, you want to get back in fighting weight, you want to make more money, you want to lose weight, look good naked, and have more sex with your significant other, agoyetraining.com. And Black Friday's coming. 50% off all training programs and 60% off on the whole enchilada. Check it out. That is the that is a stupid deal. I don't know who came up with that. It's a but, stupid uh, deal that's, because it's over a year's worth of training. Well over a year's worth of training. For like less than 50 cents a day. Yeah. And it's every single training program that we have digitally 
for 60% off. It's like over $400 worth of training. So there you guys go. Hit us up. Thank you guys for your questions. Remember to text me. You guys know the deal. Never quit, never surrender. Always forward. And we'll see you guys in the next video.